Blog Talk Radio. Happy Halloween. I'm hoping that everyone today is having a safe day for their children and their families. But just like any other Halloween, many of our children are witnesses of tricks and or treats. Whether you follow Halloween or not, based on your spiritual beliefs, today is the day that all the freaks come out at night. And many of those freaks who come out at night have their own agenda. And that agenda includes, but is not limited to, going to almost every house in America with a trick or a treat. What will that trick or treat do for you and your loved ones? Will it cause harm to you and or your children or the people in your community? Today, I want to talk about understanding sex trafficking of children in America. And I specifically chose Halloween to do so because it is a day that represents many disguises. Little children and adults alike dress for the occasion. And that occasion may include but may not be limited to individuals wearing attire that includes looking like a princess or a queen a king or a prince, a frog, a monster, a beast, or an evil, wicked witch. And just like the stories of yesteryear, that witch might have an apple that if you bite down into it, you too can die. Sex trafficking in America is often distinguished from many other forms of abuse and sexual exploitations. What I hope to do in this episode is to discuss the 17 P's of sex trafficking so that you and your families understand it. Because the very person who might be responsible for luring your son or daughter or loved one into a life of victimization and or criminalization associated with sex trafficking will come in a disguise just like they do on Halloween. What is sex trafficking. There are many different definitions now. And in fact, as we look to the number of nonprofit organizations around the country, all trying to find donors and funding, people have changed the definition of sex trafficking to include prostitution and sex work. But the definition of sex trafficking for purposes of this show is based on what its original definition was. It is either a person forced into sexual performances through fraud, duress, violence, threats, and or intimidation. Hence, prostitution has been legally defined as an individual who consents and engages in consensual sex for profit. Prostitution in and of itself, in most jurisdictions around this country, cannot happen if you are under the age of 18. So therefore, many jurisdictions across the country now are defining any child engaged in the act of being sold for sex as a victim of sex trafficking. And for many, that does not include being kidnapped, fraud, abuse, and the like, in terms of how they understand sex trafficking versus prostitution. It is critically important that you and the listening audience 
are able to separate and distinguish sex trafficking from sexual exploitation, from domestic violence, and from prostitution and sex work. Those are four separate and distinct areas that while they may intersect, they are not the same. For example, victims of sex trafficking could also be victims of violence within the relationship, but not within the understanding of domestic violence. There are some victims of sex trafficking who, although they're being sold for sex, it is not consensual and therefore it is not prostitution. There are individual victims of sex trafficking who are engaged in a quote-unquote work of sex work, but because there is fraud, duress, abuse, mental, emotional, psychological, and physical, they do not meet the definition of a sex worker who has chosen to sell his or her body for sexual intercourse and or pleasure for profit or exchange of something of value. It is important that we understand the intersections or how they may overlap, but that we recognize that these are separate and distinct areas. Next, what is the 17 Ps? Rather than simply giving you the 17 Ps, we are going to break them down as it pertains to understanding sex trafficking of children in America. Trick or treat, ding dong, ding dong. I know you hear the doorbell ring. Do you have your bucket of candy? For some, that bucket of candy consists of the human being, not actual chocolates. In the United States, the majority of the children that are victims of sex trafficking and victimization are African American and or identify as black. That would include but would not be limited to Afro-Latinas. Most of the metropolitan areas in the United States have a huge number of children that are victimized. We hear statistics that it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Well, unless you yourself are a pimp or a profiteer, we can only guess at what those costs associated with the selling of children are. So let's give you some facts that we know are documented. According to Missing and Exploited Children, there are 424,000 children in America that are missing. That is almost a half a million people that are reported and documented as missing. 33% or one-third of those children identify as black or Afro-Latinas. Yet, black children in America represent less than 13% of the general population. Where are the black children? Who is buying and selling these black children? And why are so many of them reported missing. It should be important to note that for most children under the age of eight or nine, they are immediately identified as missing and exploited once they are no longer identified in their homes, meaning if they don't return home after school, they are generally immediately reported as missing. It's different, however, for children nine and up to the age of 18 to 21 because in that age group, most of those individuals that go missing are deemed runaways, particularly the group classified between the ages of 9 and 17. So in many instances, they too can be missing children and not runaways. This is why it is critically important for parents that when your children do not report home, that you don't let anyone convince you that your child has ran away. 
It is also important that what you put in that police report is necessary for clarity because that distinguishes one, the amount of time, money, and resources that go into looking for your child, how expedient law enforcement will be in looking for your child, and or how they are identified, runaway versus missing. Runaway children have warrants secured for their arrest, so they could be found in any jurisdictions across the country. They don't receive the same treatment as a child that is deemed missing. A missing child is generally one who is perceived as being in danger. It is critically necessary and important that you also don't be so quick to state that your child has a mental illness or has some psychological defects or is on medication for depression and bipolar and other conduct disorders. Someone might allow you to think through misrepresentation that these types of children are more likely than not to receive special attention. No, actually what you've just given them is an excuse as to why that child may or may not come home. Or there's a strong possibility that the child is running late or has decided and made a conscious decision not to come home. Yes, that child may in fact be on medication. But is that the reason why the child is not there? Does that in fact determine whether the child is missing or runaway or how expedient they need to be in looking for that child? So let's talk about the P's now. The first three P's are parents, pastors, and principals. The 17 P's was devised by Sherry Jefferson and the African American Juvenile Justice Project. It's been in existence for many, many years, and we complimently say that we were the first to develop a multidisciplinary approach to addressing sex trafficking. And while many don't necessarily use the 17 P's as written, they have utilized that platform or that program in their presentation on this subject matter. Just Us, Juvenile Urban Sex Trafficking in the United States, divides the 17 P's into different sectors. First, homeschool community, pastor, principals, and parents. These are the first three houses, if you will, that children either come from or go to through their victimization process. What parents, pastors, and principals, homeschool community do will also determine whether you have raised a pimp, panderer, prostitute, or a purchaser or profiteer of sex trafficking versus whether you have a victim of sex trafficking. So parents, pastors, principals, understand your role and your duties as it relates to sex trafficking of children in America. Are you educating them in home, school, and the church? Are you providing programs and services for victims of sex trafficking and or preventive and intervention programs and services? Does your congregation or students in your school or the children in your household know what sex trafficking is? Mostly, with all due respect, in the black or Latino community, we don't use the term sex trafficking and human trafficking. So it is important for us to speak the lingo that these children speak so that they understand it and they can identify what it is. For most, it's simply being sold for sex through force, abuse, intimidation, threat, duress. They don't have to be necessarily kidnapped, although many children are. How would you identify victimization in your home, church, or community 
is also important. Most think sex trafficking and human trafficking is simply limited to sexual acts. Victims of human trafficking in the United States in the urban corridors fall under what we call sold, sex, organ, labor, or drug trafficking. Sex, organ, labor, or drug trafficking. That is human trafficking and the impact within the urban corridors in America and how it impacts children in America. So when you're conversing with your children in home, church, or school, you have to be able to look at human trafficking through those four lenses, sex, organ, labor, and drugs. That is what we call sold in America. That is our acronym in AAGJP. You need to recognize if your child, student, or parishioner falls under any of those four categories. There are many elements to look for in terms of mental behaviors, psychological developments and behaviors, how your child is dressing. A few years ago, we would simply look for tattoos, if the child is acting out in school, if the child is running away from home. But we no longer look for those simplistic. Now, because those individual traffickers, panderers, pimps, are five steps ahead of law enforcement in many regards, we now teach parents to look for a multitude of things that include but are not limited to opening up your child's mouth, seeing if there's any cuts in their mouths. Did they have anything done with their teeth? Is there a tattoo or some kind of branding on the inner cheek? Is there a cut or bruising? Anything engraved in their teeth? Look in between their toes to see if there's any markings in between their fingers. Look to see if they have what appears to be a tattoo ring on their finger. Look behind the ear. Look on their buttocks in between their cheeks in between their inner thighs. There are a multitude of things now that are being done. Look at the hair color. A lot of the girls who are being tricked through the games represent them in their fashion, in their hair color, everything from fingernail polish to toenail polish to the clothing items that they wear to the color of their hair and even their makeup and contact lenses. Something as simple as a thread that goes through their braids, or a hair clip is what we call them, that come with different hair colors. They look like feathers, or a complete dye, representing specific gains by colors or origins. Throwback gear, which represents clothing items from sport teams that also are connected to gains. Shoelacers. When you think of a pimp, most of us, We think of the black guy or the white or Latina or Asian with the big hat with the feather on the side driving that Cadillac. That is no longer. Sneaker pimps are right in the classroom in middle school with our children. There's a pimp that's assigned to them too, and they have a duty to lure young girls. They also are even told to start dating them. So the little boy that might be showing up at your house or trick-or-treating today at the party, that little boy might have been assigned to your daughter or your son or trans child, 
in an effort to lure them for a pimp. It is not what you think it once was. The little boy sitting in Bible study might also have the same title. Your daughter's boyfriend might also be her assigned pimp. He may very well be working for somebody older as well, maybe not. We notice in the black and Afro-Latina community, even for some of the white girls that live in urban corridors, that their boyfriends or gentlemen between the ages of 18 to 21 are actually the men that they work for. They're the ones whining and dining and taking them out. And then you say, well, my daughter's not being prostituted. She's not out there having sex. I just know that. Okay. Well, human trafficking is not just limited to those areas. Remember, we said sold. Think sold in America. Sex, organs, labor, drug trafficking. Maybe your child is a victim of human trafficking, but they're mules, drug mules. They're the ones that have to cross the guard to bring drugs into jail and prisons who have to lie and say that they're the daughter or the relative of an incarcerated individual. Maybe your daughter falls under the L for labor because maybe she's been forced to work at a specific job and her job might be in the hotel industry. So she's required to tell them when there's conferences, what's going on with conventions, when the hotel is being booked for certain other programs and services. She's the one responsible for booking the rooms in the hotel so that those rooms can be utilized for sex trafficking. Or maybe your daughter just works in a retail. Maybe she works at a clothing outlet. And she's responsible for when they come in and the girls need clothing. Well, they might have $20 to buy a blouse. She might have maybe five or six other items she's responsible for giving them. Or maybe your daughter works at a restaurant and she's required to get a copy of the credit cards because that's what they're going to use to book the rooms. So you see, the criminalization and the victimization associated with sex trafficking of children in America is broad. Maybe your daughter ran away just for every weekend and you thought she had ran away for the weekend. And you're wondering why every Friday to Sunday she's gone Well, maybe she's been kidnapped for the weekend, and her sole goal is to be sold for sex for that weekend. Or maybe just when you think your daughter's at school, she's at what we call house parties, where there's a door rate, and they're paying for your daughter, your son, or trans child to engage in sex acts when you think they're at school. So the school bus drops them off, you drop them off at school. They went into school for the day. They, in turn, left school after they checked in. So you're not going to get that phone call that says, hello, just calling to let you know that your son or your child did not report to school today. Oh, no, I told you, the pimps are like 5, 10, 20 steps ahead of you. So they're going to let her report to school. She might even get to go to first or second period. And then after that, she's going to miss a few periods. And then they know just to bring her back. But throughout that day, she may have also been a victim of trafficking with a door rate that starts at about 50 bucks in a nice suburban community or even in some of the urban communities in America where a lot of white men who say they're going off to work, they're actually going there to buy sex, where oral sex, head, brain, neck might cost about 80 to $150, and anal might start somewhere around 150 and vaginal sex could be right around 100 bucks. And as many times as they want to have sex for whatever the door rate is, 
That's how often your son, daughter, and or trans child would be passed around. I specifically identify trans because our trans women suffer in silence. Many of them are the Jane Does, and no one really cares to have that conversation. But you cannot be an advocate for sex trafficking and not include that population. And so when you are thinking that my child is in school or my child is at work, I'm giving you the opportunity, you first three Ps, to think about those things we just discussed. Let's talk about the next three Ps, police, prosecutor, and the prison system. Educating law enforcement about identifying victimization, because many of them also think simply it is sex trafficking. So a young girl that's engaged in truancy and is not in school, she gets picked up. Nobody's really questioning why. The young girl that gets arrested for fraud or check fraud or credit card fraud, nobody's making the connection or the correlation between what she's been required to do as part of her victimization, and we're not connecting the dots. According to the FBI, more black girls are arrested for prostitution and or prostitution-related charges. It is unfortunate that although we're arresting them for prostitution, we're not identifying them as victims of sex trafficking during those immediate assessments. And again, there are all these organizations, NGOs, nonprofits, who really make a profit off the plight of what's happening with children in America and sex trafficking. And everybody now is saying that they are advocates with very little or any information about what is really happening. And you know what? Come a little closer. They don't care. They really don't care. Because guess what? If you saved everybody and there was no victimization, you would be out of a job. Your job as a sex trafficking advocate who relies on funding rests on their being victims of sex trafficking. So if that means that you have to identify everybody as sex trafficking victims or redefine sex trafficking, then you're going to do so so that you can get funded. Police, prosecutors, and the prison system. What programs and services and diversion are you offering those who are victims of sex trafficking? Do you have assessment tools available so that you can immediately identify these victims without having to arrest them first and blemish their records? And for those who have been arrested, are you forcing people, Madam and Sir Prosecutor, to go and jump through hoops to get their records cleared? This is why I say I've been pushing for a Fair Criminal Records Reporting Act. I started many years ago. There are some jurisdictions like Pennsylvania and others that are getting it. They understand it. There are many others who have not yet caught on. A Fair Criminal Records Reporting Act allows for deletion, just like the credit reports, not a simple sealing of the record, where the colleges, universities, and federal and state employment agencies still see that the, he or she was arrested for prostitution. And for those that have engaged in other offenses relating to their victimization, wherein the prosecutor deems they still must be imprisoned, for whatever that reason would be, what programs or services are offered in those prison systems to assist them in returning to the community? Or should they be in prison at all? I think not. What programs and services can you afford them? What reentry programs awaits them? 
The next set of T's is our mental health track. So you have a victim of sex trafficking. We're familiar with the tragedy that took place in the state of Texas with a 15-year-old victim of sex trafficking committing suicide. We often don't understand how to reacclimate these young men and women back into the community. This is where the other set of P's come in. What is your physician, your psychiatrist, your pharmacist? What are they doing? What is your psychologist doing, your psychiatrist doing? Are they engaging in mental health assessments? You have to debrief these children, but you can't lock them up to do that. You can't force them to go into a program for a specific number of days to do it either. Here's another secret. Most people that say they advocate for victims of sex trafficking have never even met or interacted with a victim of sex trafficking. Now, they've been around girls that have been in prostitution, but not sex trafficking. No, they haven't. They've been around victims of sexual exploitation, but not victims of sex trafficking. So they don't know how to debrief them. Many of them have backgrounds in domestic violence, but very little of any backgrounds in actually dealing with victims of sex trafficking. So they don't know how to debrief them. They don't know how to offer programs and services. And you can't talk to a girl that's just been a prostitute to learn that either. So you don't have a cookie-cutter approach to this issue. You can't say it's going to take 10 days, 20, or 30 days. You just can't. It's a case-by-case basis. But one of the things you can't do is become their new pimp. You take them out of victimization to now put them back into a forced program where they have to do certain things in order to get out. But we're dealing with victims, aren't we? So why do we do that? The acronym FEAR is something I created, and it's called Feeling Experienced After Rape. Feeling Experienced After Rape. I've also added robbery to that. Because when you are raped or victim of robbery, you've been violated in the worst way. That immediate feeling you experience after rape, that is the fear that victims of sex trafficking have. It's a violation. And you can't quantify that with you have to go into this program for 30 days and then this program for 60 days. That might work for other people. Maybe this young woman has to go back home. That one might need to go into a residential program, and this one might need a day program. There is no one size fits all. The next set of P's that we examine is what is the role of the press? What is the press expected to do? What is the press expected to do? We look to the press. We look to the media to educate and to inform. We look to the press and we look to the media to give information that is necessary to educate the viewing audience. And when the press uses interchangeably terms like sex trafficking, prostitution, sex work, domestic violence, without giving clarity to each area, it is a problem. When the media then says, this child or this girl was arrested for prostitution when, in fact, they're a victim of sex trafficking, that is also a problem. It is the responsibility of advocates such as myself and others to educate the P for the press. It is important for them to understand the difference. The next P is the politician. You need activism. You need advocacy. You need legislation. 
For the most part in the United States, the legislation that was enacted was legislation that dealt with international sex trafficking, trafficking in person. In the United States, trafficking in person does not identify domestic sex trafficking. In fact, the program that is headed out of the Department of Health and Human Services has not one African-American voice on that panel. That is the little support that is given. To understand the last group of P's, the prostitute, the panderer, the profiter, and the purchaser, and the pimp for our 17 P's, you have to look back at the parent, the pastor, and the principal, because you have cultivated those individuals. You are responsible for a person who is pimping. You are responsible for the victim who is now being, quote, unquote, prostituted, although she is not being sold or he consensually. So I hope today that everyone's out trick-or-treating and coming in disguises, that you too can recognize the disguises that impact our children and make them victims of sex trafficking in America. Thank you for joining me today on Blog Talk Radio. Have a happy and a safe holy ween today. Be blessed and be encouraged. <laughs>